Hey, let's pray together. God, as we move towards the cross this, uh, this Lent season, pray that uh, you would help us to see the cross as our salvation, what, what Jesus accomplished on it. And all of us, uh, all of us love the idea and want new life. But to have new life, there are things that need to be put to death. So I pray that we would believe by your power, uh, you can put to death things in our life that, uh, that need to be. That we would rely on the work of Christ on the cross in the past, the present power of the Holy Spirit, and the future hope of resurrected bodies and eternal life, the gospel. We'd believe it, but not just believe it, we'd live it. Thank you, Lord, for the power that can be ours in Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit that's with us here now. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thank you. Y'all can have a seat. Uh, if you would, please uh, turn to Acts 7. Uh, we are going to uh, uh, kind of go through that chapter, several verses. Uh, but before we do, I want to ask you a question. And, and you may have thought about this question before. You know, I have, honestly. That uh, if you could plan the last words uh, you would speak in this earthly life, what would they be? Like, if you knew the moment, or you knew the day, or you knew the time, what would you say? What would your, what would your last words be? What would you say? You know, all of us live, I mean, I really think all of us, I do. You know, we live as, as if we're going to live forever. Uh, I mean, we don't, we don't put a lot of thought uh, into uh, meeting our maker, into to death. We really don't like to speak that. I don't, I don't like to speak that. Yet, uh, all of us know, some more than others, uh, that we are, we are mortal. Uh, that we are all moving uh, towards death, unless, uh, as Christians, we believe the Lord will come again. Uh, I believe that to uh, the deepest parts of my heart and my soul. Actually, I pray for it. Not that I don't love this life and being a husband and a, and a dad and even being a pastor, I pray for the Lord's return, that he would make all things new, that heavens and the earth would unite. But if we are not here when that happens, then, then we will face uh, death. And so sometimes we need to think about uh, what we say uh, that has eternal consequences and what we might say if the Lord chose uh, to take us home. Uh, Richard Baxter, probably not many of you know who he is. I don't know a lot about him. He was a, a pastor in England and like the 1600s, but he has a great quote. Pastor, preacher, and he said, I preach as a dying man to dying men and women as if never to preach again. I love that quote. I preach as a dying man to dying men and women as if never to preach again. But you know, also we can think about it, it's not only what we would say, but what another person might hear. You know, our theme verse for this church is John 10, 16. Jesus says, there are others, and I must go to them. All of us are another. Some of us have been another before we came to Bellwether, and we want a church to reach other people. And so sometimes we've got to think about our words, not for our own lives, but for the lives of others. What might they hear? All of us have probably 
unfortunately had an experience where someone we knew, someone we loved, God called them home, and we were like, you know, I was just talking to them yesterday. I was just, wait, that, that can't, no. That, 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 that's not possible. What we say matters. Words matter. What are your words? What would be your last words? What might be the last words that someone hears? Are there words of encouragement, of conviction? Are you helping others? We are, uh, we're in this Lent series that uh, I'm calling Make It Plain. Make It Plain. Uh, I love that phrase. Uh, I got it from a friend of mine uh, who, was, uh, who was raised in a predominantly uh, black church. Uh, what I like to say is, thankfully, the church is more and more becoming the church. Uh, that many people, black, white, red, yellow, worship together, praise the Lord. But in this church, as, uh, as this man was raised, he would always hear, make it plain, preacher. I love that. Indulge me, indulge me. Say make it plain. Make it plain, preacher. I love that. So you don't have to, I don't have to just call you to say it. Like you can say it during the sermon. Or, you know, even amen, you know, that helps too. Make it plain, amen. You know, sometimes in, in certain churches, it's like you're having a conversation, a dialogue, and I love that. But to make it plain, you've got to make it plain. And so we're actually, uh, this Lent season, looking at sermons in God's Word in the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts is, is really a book of, of sermons. You have Peter, who we've looked at the last two Sundays, preach uh, in Acts 2 and 3. Last Sunday, we looked at Peter preaching uh, about miracles and then acting out a miracle. So, if you, if you weren't here, I'd love for you to catch those on our podcast. But each Sunday, we're going to look at a, at a sermon. And today, we move from Peter to a guy named Stephen. And this is his last sermon. Because after this sermon, he dies. He is martyred. So these, we're looking at, are his last words. That's why the theme, the idea the Lord put on my, my mind is, you know, what would our last words be? What would we preach? Because we've got a lot of preachers in here, even if you don't, like, formally preach. What would, your, what would the sermon of your life be? And, and we'll see this in Stephen's life. Now, now, let me say one thing. Because I said, Peter preaches, I mean, Stephen preaches, and then the Lord calls him home. And, you know, I really wrestled kind of whether to say these, uh, this, these next couple sentences, but the Lord convicted me of it because, as I said, all of us have probably lost loved ones, and some of those losses have been what, what we'd say is untimely. I mean, I've shared uh, grandparents, friends who have gone home to be with the Lord. And, you know, I want to just preach a word of encouragement to us all because uh, I've had friends and family that have, that have experienced untimely deaths and gone on to question the Lord and question their faith. And my encouragement to us all would be that God has a plan. God has a plan. Uh, even in the midst of death, even through death. Uh, I always like to say, I believe as a Christian, uh, for my life, uh, for the life of people I love, you know, there are no accidents in Christianity. I do believe when... For me, if, if my work on earth is done, the Lord will call me home. And He will use death in His greater plan, even when we can't see it. He does so with Stephen, because you see, Stephen was this man of God whom the church loved, the early church loved, who had great power and great conviction, had a gift of preaching. And I'm sure believers are like, Lord, why did you take him home? Why did you allow this to happen? 
And we will see, not only through His words, through His life, and yet through His death, the Lord brings a powerful work about. So I say that to us all, myself included, that God has a plan. God has a plan. We don't see as the Lord sees. Uh, And He works through life, through words, and even through death. Now, in Scripture, as we get to Stephen, let me say this. Stephen, his name literally means crown. And the Lord crowned Stephen with great gifts. Great gifts. As in, like, he he had a, a gift to captivate people and to lead. He was a leader in the early church. He was also a servant. Uh, in Acts 6, he's one of the, the deacons, that, that he is a humble servant, serving the church, and he also speaks. I mean, you can probably imagine some of y'all who call Bell with a home, uh, someone like that in our congregation, who serves humbly, uh, yet speaks words one-on-one in a group to the congregation. And he, so he was a leader in this church. And he also captivated people who are outside the church. If you look in Acts 6, we'll be in Acts 7, but I just want to show you A couple verses. Verse 5, Luke writes, Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, he writes, Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Verse 10, he writes, But they, and these are others outside the church, could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Stephen had great power to convict people. And then the crowd turns against him. That next verse, verse 11. Then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. If you can imagine, Stephen, as the leader of the church, had these crowds captivated, and then the crowds turned on him, which would lead to his death. What happened? As I've been studying this passage and studying the life of Stephen, many biblical scholars believe... That it was Saul. Saul who became Paul. Okay? Stay with me here. Saul who led, orchestrated, instigated the crowd to turn on Stephen, which would lead to his death. Because if you know Saul, who would be Paul, but not yet, Saul killed Christians. Saul killed Christians. And if you take a man like Stephen, who was having such power... Saul, who was a, a brilliant man, I mean, he, he wrote much of the New Testament, but he was also probably a great strategist. He planted churches. Think about how his mind was working. He's like, no, I've got to take this guy down. And he started dropping hints, dropping seeds. Hey, this guy's speaking this, this, this. Instigated them to lead to his death. We'll come back to Saul. But the crowd was turned against Stephen. And now Stephen preaches his last sermon. Uh, It is actually a long sermon. Uh, It is all of chapter 7. So uh, y'all can thank me later. We're not going to read all of chapter 7. Some of y'all may be like, man, read it. Well, anyway, I'm I'm going out of town right after you. So I was trying to keep it tight today. Not just make it plain, keep it tight. But uh, we shall see. I do want to hit on parts of this sermon in Acts 7, though. What does Stephen do? First off, he connects. He connects with people even who oppose him. I mean, these, these people, I mean, steam's building up. They're like, you know, you know, what's he saying? He's saying lies. Yet Stephen connects with him. Look at Acts 7. He opens up. 
And this is just, just little things, but I love the little things we can easily pass over. He says, brothers and fathers. He's like, we're brothers. He's connect- he said, I'm one of you, okay? I- I'm not an outsider. Brothers and fathers. Then he goes on. Verse 2 and 3, he begins to talk about Abraham. Abraham, their father, all the way back, that he is a, a son of Abraham as well. Verse 6, he talked about being a sojourner, that his offspring would be soldiers. Stephen and these folks knew what it felt like to be a sojourner. You're like, what's a sojourner? Sojourner is an outsider. Sojourner is someone like, you know, this, this is not my real home here. That they were God's people, and even on earth, they didn't feel at home. Stephen is connecting with these folks. He goes on, goes to Joseph. Verse 9, the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, yet God was with him. He goes on, verse 17, as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt. Verse 20, at this time Moses was born. He was beautiful in God's sight. He speaks of Moses that he was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, verse 22. And he was mighty in wonders and deeds. Then, look at this, verse 25, it says about Moses, he supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, yet they did not understand. I don't know if you see this, but what Stephen is doing is saying, you know, we come from a line of folks, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, And the people did not understand whom God had chosen to lead them. That they were persecuted just as we are persecuted. That they were rejected just as we have been rejected. He continues. Look at this, verse 35, Acts 7. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge? This man God sent as both a ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. Verse 39, our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside and in their hearts turned to Egypt. Stephen's also saying, hey, we have been rejected. We know how it feels to be rejected. And hey, we have also rejected whom God sent for us. And Stephen's saying, I I know that. I've lived that too. He is, he's connecting with these folks. Uh, Let me share a little secret with you. I I will will say this to y'all. Like I said, I call it Spring Break Sunday. So we got some folks out. Uh, if you say this later, I'll deny it. You're like, you're not supposed to lie. No, I'm, not. I'm just going to try to forget this, okay, that I said this. Um, but, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll try to, uh, you know, or maybe make a joke. Sometimes it goes over well, sometimes it doesn't. About like Ole Miss and State, okay? And usually it goes over with like, you know, a certain part and then others, you know, it doesn't. And, um, you know, I won't say anything about, you know, win or lose. But, I mean, y'all know. I mean, y'all know. You know, I'm making it plain. And uh, let, me, let, me share a little, let me share a little secret here. You know, it really, it, you know, it really doesn't bother me even that much, like, like even when Ole Miss loses. Okay, can, can I get it? Some of y'all say amen right now. Jeremy, say amen. <laughs> Jeremy, say amen. Come on, bro. Amen. Okay. I'm saying this because sometimes I will throw out some Ole Miss State stuff. Just to connect. Just to connect. Like, because I, I am a sports fanatic, but like, when my team loses, I mean, I'm not like in the pit for 48 hours. Maybe 12, okay? But, you know, <laughs> past, I mean, seriously. And, 
and I do, I love my sports, and I do love my teams, but, you know, I do that to, to connect, because we're in this thing together, and that, that's a big part of our culture, uh, and I get it. So, you can say, hey, pastor said that, preacher said that, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to forget this now. So, I was like, I don't know, I don't remember saying that. But that is one way. Another way, sometimes I'll talk about my family. I've talked about my grandparents. I've talked about grandparents that I love that have gone home to be with the Lord. I've talked about parents. You know, family is a big part of our culture here in, in the South, and, and I love that. We've got great family here to celebrate a great day in this family's life. Love my family, another way to connect. Another way, you've heard me uh, share stories about my better half, my better half, uh, my wife. She, she just smiles like, what's he going to say? Just, just connecting, sweetie, just connect. But I also, I will share about challenges that we have. Very real challenges. Uh, now, you know, often, you know, people can, uh, uh, can, can chuckle at that or, or relate to that, but it's really trying to say, you know, hey, we're in this together. Um, you know, th- there's no difference in us. There's no, there's no difference in that we all need God's grace. And so my point being, just as Stephen, we use things in our culture to connect. And, and the last thing I'd say on this was that I will share about being rejected I mean, I've, I've been rejected. I know what rejection feels like. And all of us, even if, even if God has blessed us in many ways through relationships or career, sometimes during our lives, we, we've felt the sting of, of rejection. And I, and I think that leads us to, actually, the cross. Our need, there, there's a void in our life that we always want to be filled. It's, we know how it feels to be lonely. And, and we run to other things, to people or things or or activities, or fun times, and the void never gets filled. We, we know what it feels like to be rejected. And I've also rejected. I've rejected, like, people trying to speak into my life. I've rejected a word God would have to me. I, I've rejected the Lord. I, I know clearly he says something. It's like, Lord, I don't want to do that now. Like I say, you need to pray for this person. No, I don't want to pray for that person now. That's just, that's one minor example. We know how it feels to be rejected, and we know what it feels like to reject. And that also shows our need for the gospel because we want to be king. When we reject, God, whomever is like, I know best. I know best. Thank you, Lord, but you've given me life. I appreciate it. I will sit on my throne. And uh, oh, by the way, can I get some fire insurance? And that's pretty much it, you know. Often. It has been for me. Stephen's connecting we need to look at our shared connections for our need. Stephen doesn't stop there. Not only does he connect, he convicts. He convicts them. Now look at this. Uh, verse 51. Verse 51 through 53. Before I read this, I'll say it like this. You know, often uh, we can preach through our words and we can connect through stories, some funny, some moving. We say like, hey, you know, we're together in this. But preaching is convicting. And it's not always the words uh, that you or I would say. It's the words the Holy Spirit says through us to convict our hearts. So Stephen starts convicting and he goes pretty hardcore. Look at this. 51, verse 51. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one. 
whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. You're like, whoa, not really like seeker-sensitive sermon there. Uh, Not at all. Stiff-necked people and circumcised, you resist the Holy Spirit. You know, what was Stephen thinking? I I think he was thinking a couple things. I think he knew he was pretty soon going to meet his Lord, first off. And he was going out, you know, guns blaring, okay? I also think that, that the Lord uses those words to convict folks. And you got some hard people that he was preaching to. He was preaching to Saul, as we'll see in a minute. Saul was there. And he was saying, man, don't you see your need? You resist the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing about, like, preaching. Whether you're a formal preacher or whether you're preaching to somebody over a cup of coffee... You know, it's not only about the connection. It, it, there has to be some conviction there at some point. I really believe that. You know, some folks will tell me, man, you know, preacher, you were stomping those toes today. Hey, look, here's what I was doing. I'm really up here. I'm just going like this on me, on me, okay? I'm stomping my own toes. As I preach, I'm convicting myself, my need to not resist the Holy Spirit when He speaks to you, to not reject uh, the Word of the Lord, to not reject salvation. We all need to be convicted. What do we need to be convicted of? Same thing. The Lord gives us life. He gives us a family, however that looks. He gives us salvation freely. What is salvation? It is life now, abundant life now, eternal life forever. And we still say, thank you. Let me sit on my throne. I'll take some fire insurance when I need it. Period. Instead of getting off and saying, you are Lord. Sit on the throne. And I give my life to you. I will live my life to you. To serve you. To love you. To be part of your family. To lead others to you. To connect and to convict. Softly or sometimes when someone, a brother needs a word of truth. We go and we preach in love and in truth. Stephen's doing this. Connecting and convicting. He's saying you resist the Holy Spirit. You resist. Then last thing Stephen does. He connects. He convicts. But you can't end there. Because, you know, if you end there, it, it can, be like, can, be, can be harsh. You can't end there. He crowns. He crowns. I love that the name Stephen means crown. I say that, who, who, who do you crown in your life? You know, we, we always crown somebody, something. Maybe we crown ourselves. Maybe we remain on our throne. You know, I'm king or I'm queen. Stephen crowns Jesus as his Lord. He convicts, but then he shows, like, this is, this is the king. This is the Lord. Don't you see him? And he does it in the midst of his death. Because really, I mean, his sermon got interrupted. They were so angry, they began to stone him. And I, and I want you to look at this, verse 54. We'll read this. He says, when they heard these things, they were enraged. They ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He didn't have to say that. He could have just seen it. But he continued preaching. These were his last words. But the last words, he's about to go meet the Lord. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep.
Stephen connects, he convicts, but he crowns. He sees Jesus. He sees him, he sees him as Lord, as, as King. Not as like sometimes, you know, we see him, you know, like, you know, long-haired, you know, like, you know, peace, hippie type Jesus. I mean, we all kind of see him. Like he sees him as Lord, you know, in power, seated at the right hand of God. He says, you are the king. He speaks this. Words do matter. He says it. And they are so enraged. And if, if you know this about Jerusalem, I swear he is. Some of you may have been to Jerusalem. That they literally threw him over the wall that encircled the city. I mean, they cast him over the wall, so it was not like, he wasn't being stoned like he's right over there, you know, laid out. They were throwing down at him. So the rocks were, were just falling, and not a good way to go. And then Stephen says, Lord, receive my spirit. And he says, forgive them, forgive them. And then Luke says he fell asleep. He fell asleep. There's beauty to that, that language. Stephen, he, he connected, he convicted, but he crowned God, Jesus. What happened next? What's the rest of the story? I always say in, in preaching, there's always a response. There's always a result, even if you don't see it. Here we do see it. Uh, Luke shares with us. First, Saul. Saul. I, I think this was a powerful moment in the life of Saul. He stood there watching Stephen die. Uh, knowing he at least had some hand in this deal, the death of, of Stephen. It says, chapter 8, verse 1, Saul approved of his execution. So nothing less, they asked him, hey, should we do this? And Saul approved of it, yeah. Saul was a leader. Saul was a leader there, and he said, yeah, kill him. Kill him. Now, I, I do believe, imagine this, Saul, who would become Paul, I really believe that God used this death to grease the tracks of Saul's future conversion to Paul. Because imagine if he's looking at that face, and that face is glowing, shining, and he sees the Lord, and stones, rocks are being hurled at him. I would say, you know, Saul could say, what makes his face shine like that? Why does he look like that? What does he have? I do believe that his death was used to begin to plant some seeds for his conversion. And imagine this, Saul, after he became Paul, would meet Stephen in heaven. That is an interesting conversation, Paul and Stephen. What would he say? Imagine Paul going the rest of his life, Paul killed Christians. And he would have the image of that face seared into his mind. He carried that with him, what he did. Knowing the Lord forgave him, the Lord forgives. But he would get to heaven, and I just think that's an interesting conversation. One result was Saul began to be changed. He would be fully changed, completely changed by the power of Jesus Christ. But it impacted his life. You're like, how do you know it impacted his life? Because Paul told Luke. Paul and Luke were friends. You look in Colossians 4, he says, Luke, the beloved physician. Paul recounted this. So God's working in a life. God's working in the church. You would think a leader's killed, you know, let's decimate, you know, the church in Jerusalem. Instead, chapter 8 goes to say there was a great persecution. They were scattered. Verse 3, Saul was ravaging the house. But we see that the church grows. 
That if this hasn't, hadn't happened, believers would not have gone, gone to other cities and planted churches. The church grew. They're saying the blood of martyrs is seed. Let me say that again. The blood of martyrs is seed. You know, we, sometimes we think we're, we're, we're past the day and time of martyrs. Really? Look at the news. The blood of martyrs is seed. I say this again because you had this man of God. He was killed. And God worked it into his plan, used his death for powerful means for his kingdom in a life, in the lives of people, in the church. There's always a result in preaching God's word. There's always a response. When the word is proclaimed, again, one-on-one to a group, Holy Spirit works powerfully. Now, I'd close with this. I started with some questions. I want to just close with some questions a response, a result for us, for our life. What do you say? Let me say that again. What do you say? What are your words in your life? Uh, We don't know when the Lord will call us home. We don't know when the person we're speaking to will be called home. What do you say? Your words matter. Another question. What is said of you? What is said of you by others? What do people say about you? Do they say that he or she speaks an encouraging word? He or she speaks a word of grace? He or she speaks a word of truth? A soft truth? He or she pulled me back from the brink? What is said about you? And you may be said, man, you know, I mean, my name's in the gutter. My name's trash. You know, it's, it's, it's too late for me. It's never too late. It is never too late. I know at least one person in this, in this house thinks that. Hey, it's too late. It's not too late. It is never, ever too late. What is said about you? And last question, and this is, this is the most important question. What is said to you? Now, how is that the most important question? Who do you let speak into your life? What is said to you? What do you receive? The reason it's the most important question is, are you receiving what the Lord says to you today, right now? Do you receive what the Lord says to you by someone who cares about you for your life? What do you let be said to you? Because people can talk, but it can just be like, you know, noise. What is said to you? What is said? Is God's word said to you? Do you allow it to reverberate into your, into your heart and your life? What do you say? What is said about you? What is said to you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, words do matter. Most importantly, your word, the word of God that you have given to us. You speak to us, dear Lord, and I pray that not only we would listen, we would respond, that we would allow you to speak into our hearts and our lives, and that by not only listening, but by responding, you would grow our life, you would change uh, our words, that we'd think more about our words, we'd think more about our last words, we'd think more about our time here on earth, and it would be used uh, by you and for you uh, to change lives, to be disciples, to raise your kingdom, and sometimes not to say anything at all and just to listen. Convict us of this. Let us know we're connected to one another, that we all need the family of God. And I pray that all of us would crown Jesus 
Lord of Lord, King of Kings, that we would get off the throne, put Him, the rightful ruler, on the throne of our lives because He is on the throne over the heavens and the earth. May we believe it. Thank you, Lord, for your power, for the power of words, for the power of Christian brothers and sisters, for the power of the gospel that says Jesus is alive, He's here by the power of His Spirit, and He rules and He reigns. In His day we pray, amen.